Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. Uh, We're picking up in Genesis 26, uh, verse 2. Uh, Genesis 26, verse 2. And it reads this. It says, The Lord appeared to Isaac and said, Do not go down to Egypt, but do as I tell you. You see, in the area where... um, uh, Isaac was at currently there was a famine there was people were leaving this area um, and he was on his way out but God said do not leave this area the area of the Cain and the Canaanite area he said live here in verse 3 as a foreigner in this land and I will be with you and bless you I hereby confirm that I will give you all these lands to you and your descendants just as I solemnly promised Abraham your father I will cause your descendants to become as numerous as the stars of the sky. And I will give them all these lands. And through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Wow. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's faith. That's faith right there. He says, I will do this because Abraham listened to me and obeyed all my requirements, commands, decrees, and instructions. So Isaac stayed in Gerar when the man who lived there, when the man who lived there asked Isaac about his wife, Rebekah, he said, she is my sister, or he was afraid to say she is my wife because he thought they will kill me to get her because she is so beautiful. Turn to your neighbor again. Say, that's fiction. Say, that's fiction. That's not real. Verse 8, but sometime later, um, Abimelech, king of the Philistines, uh, looked out his window and saw Isaac caressing Rebekah. He got caught. He said, hear something weird going on or that's your wife? Verse 9, he said, immediately Abimelech called Isaac and explained, she is obviously your wife. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's facts. That's facts. He said, she is obviously your wife. And he said, well, so why did you say she is my sister? Because I was afraid someone would kill me to get to her, to get her from me, Isaac replied. And the king replied, how could you do this to us? One of my people might have easily have taken your wife and slept with her, and you would have made us guilty of a great sin. Turn to your neighbor. This title for tonight's message is a little different. Faith, facts, or fiction. Faith, facts, or fiction. Let's pray over this service. Father, we thank you for gathering us tonight. We thank you, Father, that we're here for another reason other than your son. So, Father, let miracles, signs, and wonders take place tonight. We thank you, Father, that this word is going to be like a seed in our souls, that we're going to see fruit from it grow. That, God, we give you every ounce of this service, every minute, every second, God, that we're just following after your Holy Spirit. So, Father, have your way tonight. We thank you, Father, for depression leaving minds. We thank you for anxiety leaving bodies, God. We thank you, Father, for your will taking place in this house, God. We love you so much, Jesus. And everybody says amen, amen. Come on, give Jesus one more hand clap of praise before we get into it. So faith, facts, or fiction. Faith, facts, or fiction. Um, If you don't know, um, right now is considered the information age. Ever since uh, the creation of the internet, um, there's a lot of people who still despise that day. But ever since the creation of the internet and of, you know, social media, we have become so easy access to information uh, to where now if you need information, you don't go to the library. There was once upon a time, if you need to know someone, you went to the library. I mean, who does that? Or you don't have to go and, and go and feel like you, you need to you know, figure out a simple skill. You don't have to go to like a trade school or to some education center. Like all you have to do nowadays is just Google it. 
Like, I don't know how to do something, I Google it. If I don't know how to fix something, I YouTube it. Just yesterday, um, Haley and I's fridge went out just randomly. I woke up, wanted some cereal, and the milk was like a block, you know, it wasn't. I was like, this is not right, and the fridge went out. And instead of calling somebody, which I did, I was like, you know what, I could fix this, but I'm going to call somebody. They didn't work on the type of brand of refrigerator. So, you know what, I'll do it myself. So I just YouTube the problem, and I fixed it within 30 minutes. I said, thank you, Jesus, you know. Don't have to get a new fridge. But that's where we find ourselves right now. We're in the information age. And just as much as we are in the information age, we're also in the disinformation age. We have so much information around us that a lot of it does not, is not true. It's fictional. It's false. It doesn't line up with who God says we are. And, and so we can get overwhelmed with all the disinformation. Uh, we get overwhelmed from all the news networks and outlets and social media platforms that we're overwhelmed with all this information. We don't know uh, what is true, what is not, what is fact, uh, what is fiction. Um, but can I just say, if you are basing your perspective on the uh, selective viewpoints of, of platforms and news outlets, can I say we're always going to have the disinformation? Because that's not where we're supposed to get our perspective from. That's just where we're supposed to be, get maybe a tiny bit of information, but not our whole worldview not, is not supposed to come um, from the news we hear and see, but it's supposed to come from the Word of God. Can I hear an amen real quick? Like it's supposed to come from the Word of God. I hope I'm in the right church right now. It's supposed to come from the Word of God, not from Fox, not from CNN, not from CNBC. It's supposed to come from the Word of God. That's where our perspective comes from. I know I'm not, you know, all those things are, are, are good in its, you know, area. But don't let it take the word of God's place. That's where we get our perspective from. And so we're overwhelmed with all this uh, disinformation and we get overwhelmed with, you know, all what's going wrong. But can I say, even before the creation of the Internet, we've always been in the disinformation age. That ever since the humanity has had its first thought of insecurity, its first thought um, of I'm not good enough, that we have been convinced of disinformation. That as long as the enemy has been out and about and been trying to wreck your life, that there has been an age of disinformation. An age of us being convinced of insecurities, the age of us being convinced that we are not good enough, the age of us thinking that uh, we're not smart enough and being convinced of all these fictional things and thoughts that just sprout out of our imagination. So it's hard for us to figure out what is fact and what is not and to differentiate uh, between all what is fact, what is fiction, like I said, what is faith. Because sometimes, and I, you know, I don't want to... I'm going to say this carefully, but can I say that faith is not necessarily facts? That if faith was facts, then it wouldn't take faith to believe it, right? Faith is actually the th- so something, some things hoped for, the things not yet seen. So faith is not you taking a step and knowing what's going to happen. Faith is taking a step and believing that God is in control. So, so faith is not necessarily facts, because if you're waiting for faith to be facts before you believe it, you're going to be waiting for a long, long time. Like, if you're waiting for God's plan to make a perfect light bulb in your mind and everything, be like, okay, I see how it happened, you're going to be waiting for a long, long time. And so there's a difference between faith, facts, and like I said, fiction. And, and there's kind of how they all um, intervene with each other, They're, how they all work differently. Because, you know, faith is, faith, like I said, is believing before seeing. And see, faith might be facts in God's eyes, but in our eyes, it's a step of belief. It's a step of not knowing what's going to happen next. And that is what faith is, believing that what God says is true. But faith, facts, and fiction, they affect each other differently. 
I'm going to go through this real quickly. So faith confounds the facts. I'm going to say a lot of thoughts I've been having today that God's been downloading real quickly. Faith confounds the facts. What do I mean by that? Is faith says, although I, my body might be having some sickness, I have the faith that I'm going to be healed. Although it might be fact that my marriage is kind of going through something right now, I have the faith of restoration, that it will be restored. Although my children are acting like they're demon-possessed right now, that might be true, I have faith that they are protected by God. I have faith that God has a plan on their life. See, faith confounds the facts. Faith says, yes, I see what is around me, and although that might be true, I believe that there's something greater on the way. Faith confounds the facts. Now, facts confounds fiction. Fact says, you know, at first I thought my coworker was, you know, mad at me and a jerk, but I got to know him a little bit. And now I realize they're a good guy. You know, at first, you know, facts confounds the fiction. You know, I, I, I thought that so-and-so, you know, was mad at me because they walked into the church and they didn't say hi to me like they normally do. So I thought we were, it had a thing between us. But it comes to know that I talked to them and they're going through something. They're having a rough time. See, Facts confound the fiction, but going full circle and to kind of navigate what we're talking about and focusing on tonight is that fiction confounds faith. Fiction confounds faith. Fiction makes you believe that even though you have the faith for it, that it's not it, it, that you, it makes you believe that you don't you're not capable of it. Fiction says, you know what, I, God, I hear that I need to take this step of belief and start this business that you put in my heart. But I'm, I'm seeing that if I start this business, then I'm going to get this problem. If that problem happens, then this problem might happen. And we become all this imaginative issues in our mind that are fictional. They're not facts, but the fiction confounds our faith. And before we know, we don't take that step because we're so convinced of these imaginative issues in our mind. And we allow lies and figments of our imagination to scourge our faith. We begin to think of ourselves, all these issues of what's going wrong and what could go wrong, what might go wrong. We think of all these things other than what God told us to think and what God told us to do. And all those fictional lies, they confound our faith. And we give up on faith based on fictional outcomes. But that's what we're talking about tonight. Tonight we are fighting for faith. And fighting against fiction. We're fighting against the imaginary insecurities that are holding us back. We're fighting against the imaginary lies that the enemy tries to tell you that you're not good enough. That you come from a family that has messed up too much. The, the, the lies that your past is too, is too big for your, for your future. The, the lies that the enemy tries to convince us because the enemy knows that if we focus on the lies, if we focus on the insecurities, if we focus on the things that are imagined in our minds, that's not the word of God. If we focus on those things, we're able to miss what God is doing in our lives because we're focusing on all the thoughts, all the fictional thoughts that are planted so we need to have a renewal of our minds through, through Jesus Christ, a transformation of our thoughts. Romans 12, 2 says this. It says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Everybody say mind. That you may prove what is good and acceptable, the perfect will of God. The renewal of the minds means the removal of the old. A renewal of the mind means a removal of the old mindsets. 
the old insecurities, the old thoughts, the old things that was holding you back. Is there any witnesses of followers of Jesus Christ who before Jesus, you were kind of messed up in your insecurities? Like before Jesus, you're like, I'm not good enough. I'm not, I, I don't have those capabilities. But after Jesus, you realize it's not even about you. That once you live this life of Jesus, he gives you those things that you're lacking, that God makes up the difference. That's what's awesome about our God, that you might have the inability to do something before God, but after God, now you have the capability to do anything that he wills you to do. That's the power of our God. And he does that through the renewal of our mind, the transformation of our mind. He, he, he not only wants to, to, the beauty of God and why he sent his son, he not only wants to save us, but he also wants to change us. There's some of us in this room, we might be saved in our souls, but we haven't changed our minds. We, we're, we're, we're saved, but we're still stuck in the same mindsets. We're saved, but we're still stuck in the same insecurities. We're not, we haven't been willing to give up the strongholds in our minds that we have imagined, these imaginative issues, these fictional facts that we have come up with that aren't true, but we let them be a, become a stronghold in our mind. Now, I promise I'm going somewhere. I'm going in maybe a little bit of a circle, but I'm going to go back to the scripture we just read because we're going to look at these different issues that transform into strongholds in Isaac's mind. So tonight we are calling out the illusions. We're calling out the lies. We're calling out the fear that constrains us because I'm convinced that there's some things that God has willed us to do, but we made up in our minds that we're not capable. Things that God has purposed us to do, but we have made up in our mind a stronghold of insecurity saying, God, I can't do that. God, I'm not capable. God, have you seen my family? God, have you seen my, God, do you remember I failed every grade? And what do you mean you call me to start this, start that? We have these things in our minds that have turned into strongholds. These issues that were never fact turned into strongholds, stopping us from following after Jesus. And we convince ourselves that we're not enough, and that's the truth. But with Jesus, we're more than enough. In our humanity, we are not enough for anything. But with Jesus, we're more than enough than anything that can come against us. Without Jesus, we're fragmented. But with Jesus, we're now fulfilled. Who believes in Jesus Christ in this place? That he came to do something on the inside of us. So freedom from fiction, it won't not come from self-help books. Freedom from those lies in your mind won't come from podcasts. And you can see, sometimes I can get caught up and I read everything else except the word of God sometimes. Have you ever been like that? Like you read everything else and trying to get, and I'm like, oh, right, that's right. God gave me the truth above all words. That the word of God, and I go back and I see that's where my freedom is, is in his word. The only freedom from these thoughts that captivate you can only come from the Spirit of God. That's what he meant by saying the transformation of your mind. It won't come from people. It won't come from a self-help book or podcast or going and find an online mentor. Those things are good, but they're not great like God. Only God can transform your mind. The enemy wants us to focus on, on the lies, on the fiction, wants us to focus on all these things that we create in our minds. Why? Because if we focus on, on those things, if we, if we focus on those issues, if we focus on all of our insecurities, and there may be a lot, if we focus on those things, we can, we're going to miss out on everything that God wants for us. We'll miss out on the fact and the truth that God is enough. That even in our insecurities and even in our, our, our lacks, God is enough for us. So tonight, we are going over the four 
going through four stages of fictional thought. And, and, and the four stages of this is, is how, does, how does a thought of insecurity go from like, you know, you know, like you have an innocent thought of like, you know, I, I don't know if I can ever do that. It starts off innocent, but then after a while it becomes an insecurity. And then before you know it, it's a stronghold. And then before you know it, now it's almost like a fact in your life where you're like, I've told myself for years that I'm not capable of telling my testimony to people. And so even when I have the opportunity, I don't even think about it because now that insecurity, it's turned into a stronghold in your life. Or you have an insecurity, you're like, look, you know, I know people are, are good at, you know, talking about Jesus or good at doing this or doing that. But you create this insecurity of, and this, this stronghold in your life where you don't even think about doing those things anymore. God wants to remove those things um, tonight. So we're going through four stages of how a fictional thought turns into a crippling fear, how a fictional thought can turn into a fictional stronghold in our minds and cause us to, to cripple ourselves before even we step out and step into the will of God. So the first one is imaginary issues. Imaginary issues. By this I mean is, have you ever been or seen an opportunity come your way and automatically you're thinking of all the things that could go wrong am I the only one like I see an opportunity come my way I'm like that's great but this could happen that could happen this could happen that could happen that could happen and we start start thinking of all of them everything everything that every possible outcome we start thinking of it and then what do we do next we start thinking of a solution for imaginary problems you ever thought of that? Like, like, okay, so this problem might happen. So if that problem happens, don't worry, I'll do this. And that, and if I do this, that might cause this problem. Don't worry. And we start thinking of like all these imaginary issues, and nobody wants to knock socks on the side of the head and say, hey, wake up. Those things aren't reality. You're wasting your time. Sometimes we can fail our, our faith by us just thinking we need to be so prepared, so prepared for everything. I, I need to be prepared for this. Can I say we're not called to rely on our preparedness? We're called to rely on God's provision. God's not, God's not saying, hey, wait until you're fully prepared for my will, then step out. No, he's saying, look, step out now, and I'll provide. Step out now, and I'll meet you there. Step out now, and then you're going to see the will of God take place in your life. But if you, if you just sit with the mindset of saying, okay, once I have, like, foreseen the future, seen every problem, and come up with a solution for every problem, then, God, I'll, I'll fall after you, it's going to be too late. We're supposed to rely on God's provision not our preparedness. So in this, taking a look at the story of Isaac in Genesis 25, he comes to this new place of, uh, and, of foreigners, and he has this, starts off as an imaginary issue, and the issue was, I have a really attractive wife. I think that's a good issue to have. But he had an issue of saying, I have an attractive wife, and if I have an attractive wife, I'm going to go into this foreign land, and then they're going to think, hey, he has an attractive wife. And he might, they might still, so he has like, can you see he start having like an imaginary issue in his mind? How this starts? That's how it starts with us. We start becoming um, imprisoned by our imagination. We start becoming imprisoned by imaginative problems that we have in our mind. I think there's some purposes and promises in our life that are imprisoned by imagined prisons. That by things that have never even happened, by issues that aren't even a reality, by insecurities that you can't even prove. But because of all those things, they have stopped you from stepping out. They have stopped us from stepping out into God's purpose and promise. Because we're thinking of, what if that happens? What if this happens? No, 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 no. You know, you don't understand. If I do that, God, then this might happen and that might happen. God's saying, look, I know all those things. Step out anyways. 
trust me. Don't trust your preparedness. Don't trust your plan. Trust my provision. Trust me. Let us not be withheld from our imagination. Our imagination is really a gift from God, I believe. I believe that's a gift from God to a faith and belief. Like God can tell us something, and we can have the faith to imagine it and believe it. But I also can think we, have to, we can have the imagination of, of fear and of problems and issues. And as soon as God tells us something, we are imagining of all the things that could possibly go wrong. And before we know, we're imp- imprisoned by those imaginative thoughts. See, the enemy's goal is for us to focus on the imagined issues, not, the, not, the, not God's plan, but to focus on all the possibilities that could go wrong. Like focus on thinking, you know, you have a coworker who really needs Jesus, but you've imagined so many times you going up to your coworker and what happening? Them saying no, them saying this, or them saying that. And before you know it, you haven't taken that step. Why? Because of an imaginative issue. See, the enemy wants us to focus on the trivial so that way we'll miss the truth. And here's the truth. All things are possible with God. I don't know what you've imagined in your mind tonight. I don't know what you've imagined and come up with and saying, Caleb, you see, look, I'm not following after my purpose because of this and because of that, because that might happen and this might, person might be offended and this, uh, I don't know. How, but can I say, I don't care what you've imagined. God is still greater. God can still meet that need. God can still go beyond all these things that you think are impossible. God can still do it. The first one is imagined issues. The next stage is idolized issues. Idolized issues. So this goes from not only have we imagined the issue, but now we idolize the issue. Now we're fixated on this issue that we've imagined. Now all we're thinking about is this issue as you can imagine, Isaac, probably at this phase, he's imagined the issue of what could go wrong of him having an attractive wife. Now he's beginning to idolize it. Now he's kind of worried about it. He's like, you know what? Something bad could happen just because you're attractive. It's your fault. Rebecca, it's your fault. I don't know why you did this. And he's like idolizing the issue. He's like thinking about it all the time. But we do that a lot in our lives. This is when fear turns into worry. To where now we're worrying about an issue that hasn't even happened yet. So now we're like thinking about something that isn't a reality, but yet it's captivated our minds. We're just thinking about, we're idolizing the issue. And for years, God has told you to write that book. But for years, you've been telling yourself that you're not a good writer. Like that's the issue. But if you idolize that issue, and so now every time you think about writing a book, you get reminded of that idolized issue that you're not a good writer. And so as soon as you pick up that pen, you put it back down. You begin to idolize imaginative issues. We become afraid to take leaps of faith and be afraid to do things and to call out because we've been idolizing these imaginative issues. The mind is a powerful tool, but it can also be something that cripples our faith. The mind is a gift from God, but it is easily corruptible. The mind is something that God has given us. But that's why we need Jesus Christ, because we, if we just try to live life on our own, our mind will be corrupted. But insecurities and, and thinking we're not good enough and, and getting all these bad ideas in our mind planted from the enemy. But if we say, God, I give you my mind. One of the prayers I say every day, I can't say enough to God, I have the mind of Christ. God, give me the mind of Christ. Don't give me the mind of Caleb. Give me the mind of Christ. The mind of Caleb's messed up and insecure and thinks he knows it all. I don't want that mind. I want the mind of Christ. 
I want the mind of Christ who follows after the voice of God. I want the mind of Christ that even when I feel insecure, even when I feel I'm not capable, I remind myself, it's not about me anyways. It's not about me being capable or, or having all the answers anyway. It's all about me following the voice of God. That's how we have to be. We have to give God our minds. We have to be able to, to, to get out of the cycle of idolizing issues and, and things that we have imagined and convincing ourselves that it's going to happen, convincing ourselves that if we take a step of faith. Can I say all those things? They're just a lie of the enemy. The enemy is, is so, he, he knows what happens when you're obedient to God. The whole point and plan of the enemy is for you to be disobedient to God because he knows what happens when you're obedient to God. When you're obedient to God, there's fruit and there's peace and there's joy, unbelievable, un, unstatable, unimaginable. He knows what happens when you're obedient to God, so his whole goal is for you to be disobedient to God. Touch on this a little bit before. The enemy doesn't mind you being successful. He doesn't mind it. He doesn't mind you getting the things that the world says is great. He doesn't mind that as long as you're being disobedient to God. If you're being disobedient to God and you're getting all the things of the world and you're getting success and you're getting fame and you're getting all that, it might look like on the outside that you're getting things right, but on the inside you're messed up. The enemy doesn't mind that. What the enemy hates is you being successful in the will of God. That's what the enemy hates. Because he knows in the will of God will you receive the richness of God, the peace of God, the joy of God, things that the world can't offer. The enemy doesn't mind you having a lot of money as long as you don't have peace. The enemy doesn't mind you having all the material things as long as you don't have joy, as long as you're not following after God. That's why the enemy gets all these things in our minds caught up with it to stop us from being obedient to the call, to the call that God has put on us. Why? Because when we're obedient, he knows what happens. He knows what happens when the, when the children of God are obedient to God. So how we fix this is that we cannot focus so much on what we fear. We can't focus so much on those issues. Sometimes I know insecurities feel like they're on the front lobe of your brain, right? Like you're trying to do something, but all you can see is insecurities. All you can see is the issues. All you can see is your past. That's where Jesus steps in. He clears all those things away. To where we don't have to focus on the fear anymore. Because if we focus on the fear, you're just going to magnify them. You're going to magnify those insecurities, magnify those issues, magnify those things in our lives. But when we focus on Jesus and saying, God, it's not about me anyways. Yes, I might be incapable. God, you are capable. We remove that phasiness, that, that, the haziness from our eyes. And we're able to see clearly what God wants us to do. What God wants us to do. See, we have to always feed what God is telling us. Not feed fear. See the enemy. He he can. He see the enemy. He has the power to plant lies, but we are the ones who give the lies power. The enemy might be able because I'm gonna be honest. There won't be a time where the, where insecurities will just disappear. Okay, I, I would love to tell you that you know as soon as you say yes to Jesus, all your issues go away. But that's not, that's not the truth. When you say yes to Jesus, those issues may remain, but now you actually have a solution. Now you're not just chasing your tail or doing what all the world is doing. Now you actually have a solution. Now those insecurities might come back, but now you have an answer. See, before Jesus, we didn't have an answer. We didn't have a solution. The enemy would tell us we're no good, and we say, you know what, you're right. The enemy would tell us that we're not capable. We say, you know what, enemy, you're right. But with Jesus, when the enemy says we're no good, say, hold up, no, no, no. I'm the head and not the tail. When the enemy says you're not capable, say, hold up, hold up. All things. All things are possible with God. When the enemy tries to tell us things, but you see what I'm saying? Now we have an answer. 
Now we have a response, and that's all through the Word of God. So next one, we're almost done tonight. Next one is insecure issues. Insecure issues is the next phase. And that, that goes from eye lies to insecure issues. Now, now you're actually really insecure about this issue. This issue that has been, can we say from the start, imagined, not even real, has started out. But now you're actually insecure about it. So now at this point, I, or Isaac, he's looking around because he's insecure about having an attractive wife. He's like looking around. He's like, you're looking at my wife, aren't you? I can tell. You know, like he's insecure about it, and he's just making it up. And now he's telling, now he's telling Rebecca, he's like, look, look, Rebecca, somebody's going to kill me to get to you. I can just tell. I can tell. Like he starts, oh, he's like insecure about this issue now. And it's taking the next stage, but that's where we get in our lives. Now we're insecure about these issues that we've imagined. Now we're thinking that, oh, my gosh, I, I, I can't take that step of faith. Oh, my gosh, I can't take, you know, start that business because I'm going to fail like I always do. I'm going to do this. If I do, we start being so insecure about the issues that we made up. See, this is when worry turns into anxiety. Before we were just worried about the issue, now we're anxious about this issue. This, this issue that we've totally just made up and fear has gripped us and feel helpless but at this point I always remind myself of 1 Peter 5 7 that says cast all your anxiety on him why it says because he cares he cares that verse did so much for for me because not only does we do we cast our cares upon him but Jesus does the caring for us Jesus cares for us we don't have to carry that weight Jesus carries it for us we don't have to care about all the issues Jesus cares for us. That means, hey, guess what? You don't have to have it all figured out. Why? Because Jesus does that for you. Cast all your anxiety upon him. Don't let these issues become uh, insecurities in your life because you have imagined them and because you have believed them. No. And say, say, God, I might have these issues, but I cast this anxiety upon you because you're going to fix it anyways. In your will, it's going to be perfect. In my eyes, I see my imperfection. But in your will, you see how everything's going to work out. In your will, I'm, you, you see how that step of faith is going to turn into your will. We have to cast all our anxieties upon him. So not only does God care about us, but it says he does the caring for us. I mean, he's supposed to carry that weight. He's supposed to carry the, that anxiety. All those worries you have, we weren't meant to carry there's been times in my life I felt like I have the world on my shoulders and I feel like I'm crushing under the weight. But I remind myself, what am I doing? I'm not meant to carry all that. All those worries, all those doubts, all the how is this, what if, how, when. I'm not meant to carry all that. If I do, I'm going to collapse under the weight. But when you give it to Jesus, you put it on his shoulders. Those anxieties and insecurities that you've been having your whole life and have now at this stage become insecurities where you're saying, you know, Caleb, you don't understand. I've tried, and I'm not good. Like, no, you don't, like, can I just say that's an invented issue in your own mind? When God sees you, he sees perfection of his son. He sees the will of God taking place in your life. Cast all your worries upon him. And even those things that you've been struggling with years and convinced of that is, is facts, that you're incapable, God can take care of it tonight. So the next one. So we go through these stages. So, so again, you look at Isaac. You know, at first he was just, you know, noticing his wife's really attractive. And then he went, you know, started thinking of all the issues that could happen. He started going. But the next thing is invented issues. Invented issues. So now this is when anxiety turns into action. 
What I mean by that is now you're acting upon an issue you're invented in your mind. Now you're acting upon something that would start off just an imaginary issue, but now you're actually acting upon it. So now Isaac had this weird imaginative issue that he had an attractive wife, and so somebody was going to go up and, and, and kill him for Rebecca. So now he's lying and saying, okay, you know what? Um, I have this imaginative issue, so my solution is to say Rebecca is my sister. And that's the best he came up with. Can I say that's the human response to everything? It's like a stupid answer. Like, if you try to come up with, 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 with answers to your own issues, they're going to be stupid answers. They're going to be answers like, okay, well, um, you know, my, sis, my, my wife is my sister, something stupid like that. But God is going to take care of that. God is going to remove all of that. Let us not invent issues in our life. Because you know what happened? It says in verse 10, he invents, he, out of fear and imaginative issues, he invents issues that weren't even there. In verse 10, the king said this. He said, how could you do this to us? He explained, one of my people might have easily taken your wife and slept with her, and you would have made us all guilty of a great sin. How many times have we invented our own issues? How many times our response of insecurities have we invented issues that were never meant to be there? That we have avoided things, that we have done things, that we, out of our insecurities we have told people off. Out of insecurities we have been rude. Out of our insecurities we have done things out of our flesh because we're coming up with some stupid answers to our issues and insecurities. And we've, and we've invented some issues that were never supposed to be there. But out of our insecurities that we've imagined, we've created things, we've created our own problems. And now Isaac has, has problems with the king um, Abimelech, all because of fake problems that started in his mind. But I wonder how many times have we created our own problems, just out of response of fake issues, insecurities that we're imagined, things that... that that were lies that the enemy plants and it grows into something that, that, that God never wanted or called for you to have. But you can kind of see the cycle how it happens. It doesn't happen at once. It happens over time. We get this imaginative issue or this insecurity and all of a sudden we begin to meditate on it. And all of a sudden we begin to idolize it and then all of a sudden we're acting upon an issue that we imagined. All of a sudden, we're acting upon something that was never a reality in the first place. But can I say God does not want that in our lives? God does not want us creating a cycle of us just creating our own problems over and over and over again. Because I don't know about you, but before Christ, I was creating my own problems over and over and over again. I thought I had things figured out. I thought I knew everything that should happen, but I realized I was coming up with some stupid answers. I, was, I realized that I was doing things out of order of how I should do them. God does not want that for our lives. God did not call us to do that. God did not call us to, to live life based on our own assumptions of our insecurities. Instead, for us to live on an identity with Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. We stand with me tonight. I'm closing. I'm going to close with this scripture in Genesis 26, verse 9. Genesis 26, verse 9. So again, we're looking back at this, at what the king said to Isaac when he found out that Rebekah was his wife. Verse 9 says, immediately Abimelech called for Isaac and explained. He says, she is obviously your wife. Why did you say she is my sister? And Isaac said, because I was afraid. Everybody say afraid. afraid. 
said, I was afraid that someone would kill me to get her from me. Really what our insecurities are are just a response to fear. Fear that we're not going to have our way. Fear that things aren't going to work out for us. Fear that we're, we're going to uh, be embarrassed or be incapable or, or come up short. But how we respond to those issues? How do we make sure that even when insecurities come our ways, because there's going to be times where those insecure thoughts are going to come in, but how do we respond to those thoughts? There's going to be times those issues come in and try to remind you of your past, but how do we respond to those thoughts? How do we make sure that those, those imaginative issues don't become a stronghold in our minds? This is how we respond. It's what I want to close with, is that by reacting by fear, it subdues us to the enemy. But by responding with faith, it submits us to God. Reacting by fear subdues us to the enemy, but responding with faith submits us to God. Whenever a thought comes into your mind, ask yourself what you're feeling that moment. Whenever an insecurity comes into your mind, ask yourself what you're feeling that moment. Because if you feel fear, and that's how you react, when the enemy says, don't go and have that conversation with your mom of, of forgiveness because you need to do that for so long, but that insecure thought comes in saying, oh, but if I do that, what if this happens and it's fear, can I say you're creating your own problems and issues in your life? But if you respond with faith and you take that moment and say, God, I see the issues that the enemy's trying to convince me of. I see my insecurities, but you know what? I'm going to respond by faith. I'm going to follow you anyways. I'm not going to let issues hold me back. I'm not going to let uh, these insecurities that I've been carrying hold me back. Instead, God, I'm going to respond by faith. So re reacting by fear is how we step in and get caught in that trap of thinking. But responding by fear is how we free ourselves. Responding by, or I mean, sorry, by faith. Responding by faith is how we free ourselves. Respond by faith by saying, you know what, I've had this insecurity for years that I'm not good at telling people about Jesus. But you know what, I'm going to respond by faith. And you respond by faith and you go out and you talk to them and you witness to them. And you see how God's hand was on it. And you say, you know what, I don't have that insecurity anymore. Or you say, you know what, I'm going to respond by faith. I'm going to step out and I'm going to start writing this book or start that ministry and start this business instead of reacting by fear and thinking I'm not capable. And when you respond by faith, then you're going to see that God was in control all along, then you're going to see that it was really all about obedience, not about your capabilities all along. And then you're going to see that this obeying God is the only thing you have to be worried about. Everything will take care of itself. That is how we remove those insecurities from our minds. Ready to head bowed and eyes closed. Let's pray over tonight. Father, right now, we thank you for the renewal of our minds. Jesus, we want to welcome in your Holy Spirit right now. Father, let us not struggle with these fears or thoughts any longer. There's thoughts of depression that have been holding us down for longer than we know. There's thoughts of anxiety that have been crippling our faith for longer than what we can know. But God, right now, by your Spirit, begin to give us a renewal of our mind, a transformation of our mind, God. Right now, begin to be replacing those thoughts of insecurities with thoughts of an identity in you, God begin to replace those thoughts of fear with ones of faith. God, right now in our minds, Father, we begin to give our thoughts over to you. We give our, God, insecurities over to you, our worries over to you, God. Let us no longer, Father, be thinking of what could go wrong or what could go bad. Instead, Father, let us just cast all that upon you and just trust your word. Trust you at your word, Father. 
let us not be crippled by our own imagination no longer, by our own insecurities no longer. Father, not only do you want to be saved, God, but we want to be freed from our thoughts, freed from insecurities, freed from these old ways of the mindsets and and all those trappings and strongholds. But God, let us be free in our identity in you, Jesus. In identity in you, Jesus. Let's be able to spend time in your presence like we are tonight. Hearing your word. Being, God, in your presence and being fulfilled with peace. God, right now, everybody just place a hand on your mind real quickly and say, I thank you, Jesus, for the mind of Christ. I thank you, Jesus, for the mind of Christ. Father, we thank you, God. Every thought, every insecurity, every fear, Father, every single thing and, and issue that we've been having in our minds, we free you, us from us right now in the name of Jesus. But God, let us just have your mind. Father, let us have your peace, God. Let us be built up by you, Jesus, in this moment. Let us begin to understand our identity, not to see life through our issues, but begin to see life through faith, God, not fear. And God, let us take the steps. God, give us boldness in this moment. God, give us the gift of faith in this moment, God. Begin, God, to give us the clarity of what we need to do next, God. Begin, God, to speak to us through your spirit, Jesus. Let us not leave this place with the same insecurities we walked in, with the same problems we walked in with, with the same depression we had, with the same anxiety we had, God. Instead, you called us to be free, and free indeed, free from all things, free from addiction, free from anxiety, God, free from these insecurities that have been holding us down, God. But God, let us have the mind and a mind of truth that we know what we need to do, that we know who we are, that we're the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath, God, that we are the child of God, that, Father, we will come out on top, that our best days are ahead, and that, Father, you are not through with us yet, but as long as there's breath in our lungs, we are still have a serving with you. Come on, let's sing out to him tonight. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.